0: Hey everyone, Kayla Louise here, and welcome to my podcast, Wide Open, where we talk about women's health, relationships, trauma, sex, overcoming hardship, building a life that truly feels like your own, and basically anything we damn well feel. We look to open up a dialogue that promotes healing and growth for women, and honestly, anyone who's listening. In our first series, we interview badass and resilient female athletes who tell their stories of creating a fulfilled life out of the chaos. Zero judgment, no shame, just raw life stories about embracing what has truly made these women who they are today. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number seven on Wide Open with myself, Kayla Louise. We originally recorded this episode back in early March. Aline had a launch date for the Kickstarter of her poetry book called From Sky to Infinity, set for March 8th, but due to some recent changes, Aline has moved the launch date to May 31st. We cannot wait to see what she has in store, but if you're curious to know more about her life and -and up-and-coming exciting ventures, keep listening to this amazing episode. All right, so today we have Aline Metz as our badass female athlete, and I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Aline, to Wide Open.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited, too. Oh, you're welcome. So
0: um, I think you have such a powerful and positive message for women. And I'm just so excited to hear all about your story that you're going to share with us today. Um, Before we dive in, I'm going to let you share a little bit about yourself. I know I've been following you on Instagram for some time now, um, but this is like the first time we've actually chatted. So even for me, I'd love to know a little bit more about you. Um, So if you could give us a little bit of information on like who you are, where you live, um, where you're from. Um, Yeah, I'd love to Uh. hear more.
1: <laughs> that's such a long story that's a podcast in itself um i yeah i'm a filmmaker um entrepreneur racer actor um i live in vancouver but i'm originally from estonia i moved here 9 years ago now um for, because of the film industry oh. and uh yeah it's it's been a journey Wow.
0: I had no idea that you moved here. I thought maybe you were born here or something, but so you're only nine years Canadian.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, So can you tell us,
0: oh, sorry. Can you tell us where Estonia
1: is? Like where in the map? Uh, Estonia is, uh, we would like to say right below Finland because we don't want to, um, we kind of don't want to remind ourselves or like let people know that we're right next to Russia uh, because we don't want to associate us with them, but we were occupied by them for uh, 50 years. So we were a part of the Soviet union. And when I was born, we were actually a part of that. Um, so my childhood, um, is very different from, from the people growing up in Canada. Um,
0: yeah, I can only yeah, imagine. It, I mean, everyone's well. People are starting to understand what's kind of going over, going on over in Ukraine, which is wild. So I feel so bad for people like yourself who have family over there, which is
1: yeah, wild. Yeah, it's uh, but like I talked to my mom uh, the other day, and she is she is the original badass. Like she's literally the original badass because she wrote uh, this old i don't know 500 600 pound iron motorcycle this java around when she was young wow. um and yeah during the soviet times uh yeah and she said i am not going anywhere the russians may come this is our home we are staying we are fighting um and it in like it in some respects it broke my heart but in some respects it very Um, It inspired me very much because, yeah, like she is a fighter and she's like, I'm not going to go to a foreign country to be a burden on somebody. I know that um, she met me and my sister because my sister lives here in Canada. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, Yeah, it's, I just have to like breathe, let it go, live my life and support them in any way I can. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm
0: sure um, that's where you get a lot of your courage and your strength from. It sounds like from her and you may have done the same thing in her shoes, but um, we're praying for your family and I really hope that everything uh, just starts to settle down over there. It's it's just wild Um, for you guys. But
1: yeah, uh, thank you. I, yeah, I hope, I hope that too. It's, it is what it is um right now like I went into a deep uh like a spiral of darkness when all the information came out but right now like my mom helped me to change the perspective on it um in the sense that the light and lightness and um the positive aspects of life and the reminders that life is precious and that we have the power to do something with it that that is the message that needs to be needs to be shown to people right now and reminded
0: yeah well thank you again for being even just coming on today because i know you have been dealing with a lot so uh just having you here it means a lot, and even just to share your story because I know you've been through so much. Um, so yeah, if you're ready, we can kind of start getting into it because I know we could talk so much about what's going on in the world, which is crazy. But right now, it's um, <laughs> it's all about you and your story. And before we get begin to, I just wanted to say I am in Nicaragua, so. If we get cut off for the internet, um, we'll just kinda keep going. Um you might hear some birds in the background. Um I tried to find the most quiet place in my in my little place. So yeah. <laughs> we we make do with what we've got. Yeah.
1: All okay. right.
0: So um yeah, yeah, so if we wanted to get into because you're obviously a big motorcycle enthusiast and um it's a big sport of yours. So how did you get into biking?
1: Ah. Um, now when I'm looking back now I realize that it, it was kind of in my DNA from my mom and from my grandmother my grandmother was actually when Russia occupied us um, she was sent to Siberia in the gulags in the concentration camps and she was a tractor driver she drove tractors my mom rode these heavy motorcycles and it's yeah, but I actually hated motorcycles. I hated motorcycles until um, until 10 years ago, almost to the day. Um, uh, I was married and my husband always wanted to get into bikes. Like I've, I've told that story before, but it's so funny mm-hmm. um, because she, like he always wanted me uh, to get into bikes and I'm like, nope, that means divorce. We're never getting a bike. Those are death machines and it's funny how universe works like you, you don't say never because like you never know uh, what's going to happen later. Um, I was working as a foreign news editor on primetime news and um, one of the segments that I was producing was um, most watched YouTube videos. And 3rd of January 2012, the most watched sports video was a motocross video called Dream Ride. Uh, and I remember because I had to edit it together and like um, get it ready for broadcast. And, and I, I was looking at the guys like flying through the air and I'm like, damn, i want to do this. And it changed my life. Um, I, yeah, two weeks later, I took a lesson. I rented a bike um, uh, because we have in Estonia, there's an indoor uh, supercross arena. Uh rented bike did like mind you i did not even know what a clutch was i did not know how to work a clutch or anything i rode like a thousand cc honda and uh that was that i think about a month later i got a ktm uh 125 two-stroke um and i (sighs) I, I did not have any coach or anybody. I was just like trying to figure it out myself and I wasn't really a part of the community there either because I didn't know anything about anything. Um, And when I started riding in the indoor arena, when the weather got um, uh, snowy and cold, uh, there were some people there who were organizing a race and um, one of the organizers saw me there and he's like, okay, like, if you like you would be the sixth girl, like if you would come and race in December, um, we, we will create a ladies' class. And I'm like, okay. And then I got onto the track and I whiskey throttled diagonally across the track into some hay bales. <laughs> oh my and I did not see that guy's face, but I heard La- the, the guy was like, "Oh my God, what did I do?" It was insane, but I just went for it. I The night before the race. Thank you. The night before the race. I don't remember how old she was. I think she was like 14 or 13. Uh, a girl I met there, she was teaching me how to do a gate drop. Because they had uh, concrete uh, gates there, like the concrete uh, pavement into dirt. Um because I had never done it and the next day was a race and since I worked in tv I was like I had arranged a camera guy to be there as well to uh do a new story uh and yeah it's it's like I set oh my myself for free.
0: yeah day, but day I drops didn't... are challenging I gotta say if yeah
1: one. <laughs> um yeah and I raced the next day I got sixth place the last place but I raced and I got a trophy and they had flowers for all the women and it was amazing um and yeah that was yeah 2012 I can say that my my life changed like motorcycles have changed my life 100 percent um 2013 I moved to Canada I did not ride uh the first year 2014 I started riding and racing I took part in the mission um the Tuesday night series I loved that and uh yeah
0: the Tuesday night series where was that at
1: um that was that mission raceway um, admit, yeah yeah and I I really loved those Tuesdays um I got second place uh, I think I won the ladies class I think I don't remember I think I did I got second place in the beginner I I was I was just going all out I loved it that's incredible Um, yeah I love racing I I used to race bicycles when I was early teenager like on a national level yeah there were some reasons why I stopped but yeah if if I had continued that I would have been at the Olympics because the girls that I was beating they went to the Olympics later um
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So you've got quite a history of just bikes in general.
1: Yeah. Like competition has always been kind of, kind of my thing. I -hmm. hate it and I love it at the same time because I put myself in those situations and I'm like, why am I doing this again? Like why? (laughs) And here I am again. Um, But I guess I thrive on it like with working and primetime news as well. It's, it's such a, High pressure, high stress, high like fast paced environment, and I love it.
0: Yeah. So, what are you doing for work currently? Because you are your how did like how did you get into film and all of that?
1: Ah, okay. Um, yeah. Now we're kind of getting into the nitty gritty of it. Um, <laughs> I have always wanted to write, and I've always wanted to be an actor and be in movies, and. I don't like, I kind of know. Like, I've done so much inner work now that I know when the shift happened. Um, I was six years old, and there was a play that I was a part of um, in my acting school, and I was cast as the thumbelina, uh, the lead role. And but the guy playing the mole, I could not stand him at all, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to dance with him because like he like kidnaps uh, Tumblina. and I gave up that role, and I became a frog. I became one of the frogs, and it like it kind of it. I don't know. Like six years old, you don't realize that it's something that's going to change the course of your life, and um, the same girl who. Ended up playing Thumbelina. She, we were together and and like she beat me. I kind of took a backseat in my own life. Um, I, Yeah, I did not step into my true power. And so my whole life, I'm like, I want to do this. I want to be in film. I want to write. I started writing poems when I was four. I didn't even go to school yet. And I'm always like, yes, I'm going to do this someday. I'm going to do this in the future. And I, uh, it's, it's such a weird thing. Like I got into TV because I thought that it's gonna get me closer to film, but like, they're so different. Like it's news and, and like the film industry is two separate, um, entities. Um, but I had the courage to walk into a TV station. I took a course for, um, reporters and TV hosts, and then i walked into a production company i was a crime reporter for like six uh, episodes or uh yeah six weeks um but then the network decided that i'm a woman and i'm not fit to be a crime reporter. like it's like a going theme of like every woman's life like that tries to do something that is i don't know out of the norm and then i just went into a competing tv station I just walked in with my, the DVD of um, my, like, news clips in my hand. I walked in, the elevator doors opened, and the news director was, like, staring right at me. Like, I knew who he was because he was, like, a prominent uh, person in Estonia. Um, and he didn't know who I was. And he's like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm your new reporter. And he happened to have some time. He just took the DVD from my hand. Like we went to the, into the newsroom and he popped it in and he looked at it and it's was like, well, these are shit. I'm like, okay. Like he was like, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. And, uh, but then he's like, okay, come tomorrow. And that's like, that's how I got my job in in TV. And it's like, I've had a lot of things where I just... I like go all out, like go all in and things start happening and then I get scared and then I pull back. It's like an ongoing thing in my life that I'm working through. And uh, yeah, but I still, I don't know, like I was still waiting. I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the States someday. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to make movies. And um, I went to the States, but I wasn't on a visa where I could actually work. So I did some unpaid volunteer stuff in films. It was amazing though, because it's, yeah, I make connections. I went to the Today show. I was in the green room, uh, met Kings of Leon. And uh, it's like, it was a fun time. And then I went back to Stone to get my papers straight and to get married and all that stuff. And, then my visa got denied. So then, that led me to like a spiral of, oh my God, like I had associated my future so much with the States. Now, what, what visa, am I going to do?
0: This was your visa for the United States to get in and work yes. there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, was your, hus- was your husband American?
1: No, no, Estonian. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like he was accompanying me um, like first, like when... Um, because that was my, my second time being in the States uh, but he came with me just as a tourist and so we went back because I, we needed to get our papers straight but I didn't know anything about anything about like properly applying for visas and whatnot and it was a media visa that I applied for like I had all the credentials and everything but they denied it because I had written on Twitter that I don't belong in Estonia. So be careful what you wow. write. Yes. They Googled me like the console, the console, like the U S console in Estonia, he Googled me and he, yeah. Wow. Because he denied. him. I like, when I got the denial, I did not see him and I requested to see the actual console. And I'm like, or the ambassador I don't remember which one he was and I'm like I want to know why and he's like well you have some things written on your social media saying that you would not leave the country and I'm like I literally left the country to do things right because I would not have stayed like that and yeah well, so
0: it's good to know get to, get to know <laughs> really be careful what you write if you want to move countries.
1: Yes, definitely. They they do Google you and all of that. So, um, it's but it worked out for the better because with a media visa, I still wouldn't have been able to work in the states as an actor. And it's I, I, I don't even know. Like I was young, I was naive. When I moved to London. London was fun. I did. Oh my god, I I was living off of instant noodles and going to every audition that I could find uh and yeah just acting and from that I got into Central School of Speech and Dramas program in mhat which is uh the Moscow Art Theater School in Russia and I was there like in their summer program and that was amazing um and there there I already had decided to come to Canada because it just hit me in London one day I'm like Canada and uh yeah, and then I came back, went to another TV station, sat down with them, and I'm like, okay, um, I wanna. I laid down like the things that I wanted from them and like my terms and the pay, and I did not think that they were gonna accept. Like I was prepared for like negotiations or like I didn't even like I wasn't thinking. I was just going for it, and I sat down. I remember I sat down at Radisson, like Radisson Hotel. I sat down with the news director and I told him, "Okay, this is what I want." And he's like, "Okay." And I'm like, "What? Excuse me?" Like, <laughs> he just said yes, and so that goes to show that we, like, we are our own worst enemies when it comes to valuing ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so I worked there, uh, got into biking, came to Canada. And now I got into the film industry here. I did, like, Bollywood films and, like, stuff. And then I still was going out for, like, these Russian roles and these um, prostitutes and, like, these weird, like, Eastern European. I'm like, the whole world has an accent. Like, I don't even have a proper accent anymore. And so I was pigeonholed into this, I don't know, I don't even know, like, it wasn't even a category um and there were no roles for women there still aren't no like yeah like badass women who like you look at the you look what's playing in theaters right now everything is guys guys white guys white guys middle-aged white guys pretty much all of it it's their stories i'm so sick of it i'm so i can't even begin to tell you how sick i am like Watching their stories when there's so many badass women out there who inspire me daily. Yeah. And it's, and so that's how I wrote Diaries of Badass Chicks. And I got the funding from Tell a Story Hive, um, did the pilot, broke my knee right after shooting the pilot um, at Arena Cross practice. And um, then that kind of delayed things. Uh, pilot came out, uh, I got so much positive feedback from women asking me if I actually started riding in my late 20s, which, which I did, um, because yeah, they were sending me stories saying that, oh, like, my husband or my boyfriend or, like, people keep saying that I should ride an ATV, that I shouldn't even try to ride a motorcycle, it's too dangerous. I think ATVs are dangerous. Absolutely, I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's, it, and it's like, it seems like everybody has an opinion on what we should do and what we should ride and how we should ride. And like, if we should ride even, and I want to change that. Yeah. So after, um, after the first episode, the pilot came out, I was like, Oh, it's going to be smooth sailing from here. We're going to get another funding. So, I had meetings and it was like delay after delay and like nobody wanted to give me the big bucks to actually make the whole series. Um, then I decided to do a Kickstarter um, and oh my God, how much did I learn from that? Um, it's coming back to the lesson of listening to your gut and not fighting what your gut is saying to you. I was taking advice from everybody because I thought that they knew better, but they didn't know what I had in my head. They didn't know my plans. Um, so at one point, the budget for the show ballooned to $600,000. And I'm like, the show is not that point. The show is not my end goal. Mm-hmm. Like I have, like, it was a part of this, universe that I was building uh, but everybody was yeah everybody had opinions so we went um, in with uh, too high of a goal for the Kickstarter um, it was $130,000 and I I wanted 20 like I from the get-go I'm like I can do this with 20 um, like less episodes and like smaller scale but like get it out there and I was I don't know. I listened to others people's opinions and but it it wasn't a necessary lesson.
0: Comes down again to that same thing of we're our own worst critic and we like want to believe that other people know better for us, but internally we actually do know that we know better for us. Yeah. So it's it's exactly. that battle.
1: Exactly. And we don't trust our inner voice. Like we you don't know. trust us, but ultimately it comes down to nobody knows shit about shit everybody's (laughs) flying off the seat of their pants and it's just like you gotta do what's best for you like you have your vision like just follow that um and to top it off two weeks into my kickstarter um like before the kickstarter i had sat down my husband i'm like this is going to be the toughest month of our lives i'm not going to be available for anything i'm just going to be focused on the kickstarter and he's like, okay. And two weeks into the Kickstarter, he borrows my bike, my motorcycle, because it was more powerful. It, Aprilia, Um, When some, it goes on a little loop, comes back and is like, I'm moving out. I'm like, what? It was in the middle of my Kickstarter. I was like, he was packing here when I was giving podcast interviews. And it was like, it felt like my house of cards had like collapsed on me and I was trying to hold on. Like at that point we already saw that we're not going to get the money for the Kickstarter. And he's like, when are you going to give up? And in my mind, I am like, if you ask me that question, you do not know me at all. And I do not want to be with you. If you ask me that question. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, that, and then I had to cancel the Kickstarter. I did not tell anybody. I did not tell anybody about what's happening in my personal life um, because Estonians don't talk about their feelings. Like we are, our parents and grandparents have been through wars and it's like, you just don't do that because like you have the shell around you, protect yourself. Uh-huh. And I lost so many friends. I like all... Everything that I thought my life was going to be, or like how my life was like, it just fell apart, and I started to question like, who am I? do I even like motorcycles? Although it was me who got uh, us into motorcycles, I still am like i didn't i didn't want to get on my bike i didn't I didn't go to pop like I was just i didn't know it was like it was like an atomic bomb had gone off, and it was like just clean yeah. slate. And I had to like start rebuilding myself from scratch yeah, and like, I didn't what's
0: the purpose anymore you just kind of lose yeah. that, that goal
1: yeah but it also my soul was rejoicing and that was the weirdest thing to reconcile within myself like I was utterly broken but my soul was like well you don't have anything holding you back now you have no excuses now to not go for your dreams because I the society in general and especially in Estonia women kind of take the back seat and like when you get into a relationship it's like I was always trying to fit him into my world although he wasn't he wasn't interested in it or like I couldn't I did not even like discuss my dreams because he's like well when am I gonna see results? And I'm like, this is the pressure on me that I do not need. Like, this you can't you can't operate from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that it's been like a recurring theme with like my other relationships and friends as well. Is like you see that you're not a match, you're not a fit together, and yet you're like holding on to it dear life for some reason because you're loyal uh but it's actually breaking you and it's oh my god it's just uh yeah I did not even know anything uh, about myself or I had friends who stepped up who I did not think that would they would step up and that like times like these I think you find who your true circle is and absolutely and- <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah. No, it's uh it's wild cuz yeah, it's like, well, how old were you when all this was happening?
1: Uh What? I'm like, that was <laughs> It was it's the pandemic and everything. I'm like, I don't even know it yet. Uh that was almost 3 years ago. 3 years ago. So I was 35. Yeah. Yeah,
0: so and yeah, you've probably well, it's it's funny when you're in relationships and um, because we're all we're all kind of programmed in, in inherently in in our soul and who we are as people to get into relationships. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to be, but some some of it's just our our programming of the social structure and stuff. But I think that's why sometimes we hold on to them so long, especially when you're in your 30s, because you feel like if, if it's not working now, it's never gonna work and probably just didn't realize that like life at that point would continue on yeah without him
1: yeah and it's like we had been living parallel lives anyways so it's yeah we got together when we were 21 like oh wow yeah 13 years together it's we were still babies and we were different people
0: well and, and if- even then you probably did have some sort of a, a support system from him especially if you moved from estonia together like you mm-hmm. had all that um life experience of you know you guys it was your home away from home was probably in mm-hmm. him and yeah. it's a, it's hugely scary to step away from that when you're now in another country and you you haven't been able to stand on your own in this country so yeah to to you like he was family he's it's got to be extremely challenging to just, to walk away from something like that even if you know in your heart it's it's not fulfilling you anymore it's not benefiting yeah. you yeah
1: I'm I'm very grateful for him uh actually for for walking away because I am so stubborn and I am so loyal that I would not have done it and I would have break like I would have broken myself in the process I was already breaking and that is something that I want people to realize that breakups are not a failure I've been kind of um seeing it from a different angle because we had an agreement and that agreement came to an end like we fulfilled our contracts to each other Um, I attended a first nation wedding um a year ago and one of the elders said that about, uh, I don't remember if it was bride or groom, but like they had been previously married and it was in like, they were held in such reverence and saying that, yes, thank you to the previous partner, their, their marriage contract or their life contract was fulfilled. They fulfilled their contracts to each other. And now these people can come together. So that's, just, that's a really
0: interesting way to look at it. And I kind of like that because that's in you know, a some sense, it's kind of how I view relationships too. Like there's always some last longer than others. It could be a relationship based on knowing someone for a week, It could be based mm-hmm. on knowing someone 10 years, but people come in for a reason and they, yeah, you're benefiting, you're fulfilling something within each other. But when you filled each other's cups and fulfilled that need in each other's lives, that's, yeah, it's kind of like a contract and it doesn't have to be, it's not a failure. Absolutely, if you look at it that way.
1: Yeah, and also like staying together for the sake of staying together is actually worse. It's very damaging. Yeah, and I kind of lived through that recently as well where it's like you ignore your inner voice, you Mm -hmm. ignore it and you ignore it and ignore it. And usually what happens in life is then there's a big explosion because like you've gotten these warnings and like you know deep, in your heart that something needs to change and you're like oh tomorrow someday maybe and then boom like everything blows up and then you have to deal with it then you don't have a choice then you have to face (laughs) it and deal with it and because I'm a person who learns lessons through experience so I have to go through everything (laughs) the good and the bad to actually like learn it and I hate it, but I'm like, that's the way it is. And so I'm just going to embrace it. And yeah, and I found like during that whole turmoil, I found my way to kundalini yoga. Uh, my friend in Estonia, one of my best friends, she was a kundalini yoga teacher and she had been through the teacher training and she said, like, just go. Like, but I didn't want to. So I just wanted to go for a gong bath. So I was just Googling where I could get a gong bath. And Yoga West in Vancouver, they have big gongs, and, but it's integrated within the Kundalini yoga is, class.
0: Is a gong bath kind of like a, a, a spiritual cleansing or like what, what
1: is a gong bath? Um, gong bath, it's like they play these gongs and like the vibration of the gongs, it recalibrates your energy. I felt that that was something that I needed at the time. And I went there and the community was so warm and welcoming and open. And I kind of like, that was my sanctuary. I was just there. I was just there. (laughs) And, uh, and then I went to the teacher training. um, And that is also like one of the pivotal moments of my life, because as someone who rides and races, you do not embrace your more feminine or spiritual side that much because you think that you're not allowed to, Mm -hmm. or like, at least I thought that, that it's like, no, like that's no, like if you want to be a a writer who's taken seriously, you have to be like this tough writer. But in order for us to be women, we need to be women. We don't need to become men because we already have men. Like, so we don't need to become one of them. We can be us and still do the things that fulfill us and that we love. So I did the teacher training. During the teacher training, I started writing a book, um, a poetry book. And it just came to me that I had to start writing it. Yeah. Um, I started writing it January 1st, 2020. And then the pandemic happened. Um I finished it March 30th, 2020. And
0: um, how many poems are in it?
1: uh, Originally, there were over 300. So I cut it down. There's 232 right now. And it's called From Sky to Infinity because it's kind of a continuation of From Sea to Sky, Mm -hmm. like the Sea to Sky Highway. And so it's like, I'm just going to take it step further from i
0: love i love the name it's super
1: cool i love it thank you yeah and then the pandemic kind of swept me away and and another relationship swept me away and i did not do anything with the book i was preparing and like it's just the whole world has been in a turmoil and i've gone through cycles of thinking like well what's the point what am I even doing here if we don't know if the world is going to end tomorrow or like, why, like, what's the point of dreaming even? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been so tough. And now having gone through another heartbreak another kind of recalibration, reawakening, um, I have realized that if we think like that, if we put ourselves on hold, if we're like constantly buffering, buffering, then nothing will happen and another year passes and then another decade passes. The world is still going to be there. It's just you have been in hibernation and I feel that I have been in hibernation for such a long time um, because I've been waiting for the conditions to be just right. And there isn't such thing that yeah. as conditions of being right.
0: Yeah, we, we've all it's definitely... A theme in the last two years is that waiting around for the conditions to be right or just feeling on hold and not seeing anything past tomorrow or past the end of the year I know I've I've been feeling the exact same way it's hard to get motivated when you're like well if I start something now like what's the point if is it even gonna work next year
1: yeah I yeah I'm totally the same boat and then I realized there's been a lot like a couple of Um, like jolts that have kind of reminded me of why we're here and Mm -hmm. what we're doing Um, I did a bungee jump in September that I was not planning to do my sister I was driving my sister to do the bungee jump and I had sworn that I would never do it in my entire life and then I ended up jumping and my since I'm so terrified of heights and I did it like Back first, my entire diaphragm, I kind of cramped up. My body thought that I was dying, so I died that day to my body. Oh my gosh! And but then I, I didn't die. I it was kind of a kind of a reminder that whatever we think is going to kill us is actually not going to kill us, and it's actually going to make us stronger as cliche as it sounds but it is so true and um and yeah so the start of the year I the book has been like nudging me nudging my soul and wanting to be birthed into the world and I'm Mm -hmm. like my mind's like I don't know what's gonna happen to the world I'm not ready what is it like stop and my soul is like it's time it's time and I'm like why like again so I'm doing another Kickstarter I something that I said I would never. like I just need to stop saying that I'm never gonna do something because then I have to do it for like the sake of doing it as like as a, out of spite so now that the Kickstarter is happening um so when you say a Kickstarter I am so calm yeah. I know it's gonna be crazy, but I know this book It's bigger than me already. It's not just a book. It's not a book that you pick up and like read from cover to cover. It's a book that you open and get a message. I wrote this for myself, but for also everybody else who has forgotten their inner voice or has forgotten how to hear it or to reach it or even has forgotten the courage to trust it and the these crazy times we live in we need to remember that we have to follow our own truth not Mm -hmm. someone else's not not the societies not your friends who say that you should do or protest or like hate in a way that is suitable for them Mm -hmm. it's you need to do you and to the core like live your truth
0: i think that just goes to show too that this time is a better or the right time more than any for you to be dropping a book like this because I think so many people need that in their life. They need that kickstart. And we're all yeah. just kind of like going autopilot mode right now. And and even just in something like you said, going and skydiving or uh, bungee jumping, um, it's kind of the same how I've, I've been feeling. And a lot of us run on that sort of adrenaline and being locked in our homes and not being able to see if, friends and not being able to go do those things that we love. We kind of lost that little kickstart and I know I've been same thing. Like, I'm like, I just need, I need to go do something that scares me because Mm -hmm. the one thing I've been finding is we're all protecting ourselves from say a virus from whatever's going on in the world. We're trying to stay safe, but then we're almost losing that feeling of living at the same time. The more that we're trying to live, we're losing living. And I think naturally we need to feel that almost death feeling to really feel and value life.
1: That is so true. That is so true. Because we are still here. We're still here. We still we came here to realize our power and everything. Like if I had met myself now a couple of years ago, I would have been like, "Whoa!" Like who are you? Like I'm still me, but without all the walls that I've put up. So that has made me so vulnerable and I know that it can be off-putting to some people because it actually reflects their own walls back to them so they're like oh you're too much or whatever
0: well you're you're but, become a mirror for what people don't want to see in themselves they hide yeah I find a lot of that people are afraid to to um see that side of themselves so when they see powerful women powerful people they get intimidated because it's a mirror of what they could be but they're not quite ready to experience it yet
1: yeah so true and the power is not like the feminine power is not conquering with force and taking something away like everything everything in this world is based in love And if you have that, then you're not going to harm another person. And there is enough of abundance to go around for everybody. Everybody can achieve their dreams. Everybody can do all that they want to do and uplift others and inspire others and help Mm -hmm. others to lift others. So it's like, it's like this cascade reaction that I don't know we don't want to see that or we are too afraid to embrace or like kind of take responsibility um the role we play in it mm-hmm. yes yeah it's, def- uh, yeah the vulnerability and and like sharing the poetry I was so scared actually because I was like what are people gonna think I All my life, I've been so worried about what people are going to think. But people mostly think about themselves. They don't think about other people that much. And it's so so damaging to yourself to think, oh, like, if I do this, what are they going to think now? It's just like, peel off all the layers of others' opinions and who are you? What do you want? What do you want to do?
0: And, like, a lot of things, too, I always think, like, if I'm doing this today, in five years, is that person who saw me today do it even going to remember in five years? Probably not. So, like, what happens now is not even going to be. It's so insignificant in the blimp of of life. Yeah. And why waste it? Like, why not just go for it?
1: Yeah. We, but we that... just
0: spend way too much time in our heads <laughs> thinking way too much about what other people think. And it's too bad because you look like when you're 90, 80, 90 years old, are you going to be sitting there being like, Oh man, I remember that, that girl that commented on that post that I made because I decided to put myself out there. No, you're not going to think about it.
1: Yeah. I love Brene Brown's, um, saying about the man or the woman in the arena Mm. it's like she has said that if you're not on the arena your opinion does not count Mm -hmm. like if you are in the audience then your opinion does not count because like why like if she is on the arena why would she listen to somebody who's not putting themselves out there exactly yeah that's a good way of putting it because and and another person who is on the arena or like on the arena with her or on another arena they would never criticize someone else who is being vulnerable and putting themselves out there because they know what it feels they know what it takes and that is like the a big big thing that I have learned as well is the people who surround you like if the people who are around you um not necessarily consciously but if their vibes kind of pull you down um and keep you small because you don't want to outshine them or Mm -hmm. you you can't really talk to them about your dreams and so you just keep it to yourself then that is damaging to everybody yeah um, the friends who surround me right now a lot of them have stayed and those are the people who are writing books who are making movies who um, attend Tony Robbins events and just like in the life
0: yeah they're the people that are constantly striving to build themselves better to create um the people around them better like mm-hmm. it's uh yeah it's when you find friends who are constantly working on themselves and working to grow and working to move forward i find what you sometimes you get stuck in these groups of people that they're okay with staying still and you know some people that's fine but there's no forward momentum and i learned i learned in around my late 20s early 30s about like really really valuing my time and my space and we only have so much space to give and it doesn't make you a bad person if you can't hold space for everyone it doesn't mean you have to hate people or not you know appreciate them but just finding that space within yourself and and really starting to have internal chats with yourself about who who is worthy of the space who's going to make my life better? And whose Mm -hmm. life can I make better by being in it? And then just creating that community within yourself and in your, your friends groups. It's something I think everyone needs to kind of just have a moment in your life when you really sit there and
1: and think about it. That's so true. And what I find that is uh, something that people misunderstand that, like your statements, people can really turn them on its head in the sense that oh you want to get something out of your friends no it's a different aspect of uh being a friend holding space and actually being of value Mm -hmm. it's it's not like oh you're you're a bad person or you're a bad friend like i don't want to be around you it's just like how it, it comes down to listening to your inner voice Like how do you feel around those people? If they lift you up and if they're a person who are good with staying where they are, they don't have to strive for like, I don't know, make Hollywood movies and and build bridges and I whatnot. Yeah. Um but if they if their presence uplifts you and if your presence uplifts them, then it's the right connection. Mm -hmm. Um but, um, yeah, yeah, I, I find that so many people are doing things because they think they should. They think that um, that's what is expected of them. But mm. expected by who? Like, nobody really cares about your life except you. Yeah. Like, when it comes down to it, it's you who have to live with yourself live with your decisions, live with the stuff that you have done in your life or most likely haven't done in your life. Like, can you live with the regret of not going after something that you've always wanted?
0: Because yeah. um, even when you have space and you get to choose who's in it, you, you still have to live with yourself at the end of the day. It's so the one person yeah. you, you, can't, uh, you can't choose to be with or without. But, yeah yeah so with kundalini yoga like what kind of yoga is that like what is the message and what is the practice in kundalini
1: um it's very spiritual it it involves a lot of chanting um still yoga you do yoga poses but um it also integrates meditation in it um and some of the meditations can be 30 minutes 60 minutes like you're like chanting this one chant and like on your knees or like in a pose and that can be a little challenging um but it is all meant to get you out of your head get you out of your mind like some of the some of the meditations involve chanting like your mind and your like body your fingers and it's all meant to bring you to your core, your zero point, where the chatter of the mind does not matter. Oh my um, gosh, I need that. Bad in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's... Getting rid of that chatter. It's, um, it's, yeah, the chatter, that it's... Because the mind, the mind wants to keep you in your comfort zone and wants to keep you safe. It's not a bad thing, but it's not a good thing for you. So it's like constantly getting out of that and like kind of resetting yourself every day. Um, But it cannot become like an obligation. A couple of days ago, I did something that I thought I would never, I just, I need to stop. Like thinking that, like I I thought I would never do. Um, uh, So I had meditated about 800 days straight, not skipping a day. I have meditated on BC ferries like outside on their deck and like yeah in moonlight though it was so pretty but so wow. cold um, <laughs> I've meditated at the back of a truck because like I need to get that in I have I've meditated like in all places uh, but it has it kind of became an obligation and 2 days ago my one of my best friends my soul sister she like the woman who um kind of connected me to kundalini yoga she's like and i i was talking to her on the phone because she's in estonia and i'm like oh i haven't meditated today yet and i did not like i did not feel like it at all i did not want to I, i felt like my soul didn't want to but then i'm like i can't break the cycle i've been doing it for 800 days straight and she said something she's like if it becomes an obligation and if you know you can choose not to right and I'm like no but I've been doing it and she's like when it becomes something that is starting to hold you prisoner then it's not good anymore yeah so I stopped for two days and that was so scary I thought that I had committed like a sin or something because I stopped my meditation but now I do it again because I choose to choose to because yeah and it's uh yeah I, I choose that's... I chose to write this book.
0: I... sorry it's, you said you chose to write that all book? comes down,
1: yeah mm-hmm. yes I chose to write this book I chose to move to Canada I chose to go after my dreams I chose a very hard path to some people but for myself, it's the only path. Yeah. When I was filming the pitch video on top of that mountain with Greg. Like, um,
0: Which I cannot wait to see.
1: <laughs> that I had tears in my eyes because, and I told Greg, I'm like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. I want to create content about women riders for women writers i want to create content and products and highlight this industry and this community and involve the community and uplift it it is a part of my life i'm not doing it for clout or whatever like, it would be so much easy, easier to stop because a lot of the things that i'm doing have never been done before people are like what do you mean a poetry book and then you have motorcycle pictures in it like how is motorcycles and poetry connected writing is poetry writing is meditation it's um I want to build that bridge between art and motorcycles
0: I think that's beautiful because I think that's that's everything any person you actually talk to who's a big rider motor motorcycles dirt bikes you can basically hands down say like what do you find about it that you love the most and people say it's therapy so how is it that we don't see like but then you'll find people like meditation it's it's girly it's weak it's feminine or yoga it's feminine but it's all therapy and like kind of like you're saying bridging that gap between something that appears to be so masculine but at the end of it it's still therapy which is kind of feminine Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful. Like like I can see the vision of what you're trying to create. And I think that's, that is something that it hasn't been done. And it needs to kind of be done, especially for females to really, maybe connect more with it. Um, No, I actually I, I really love what you're doing with that.
1: Thank you. And yes, now that you're saying, I don't think that women or girls have enough positive role models in that or encouragement, because like talking to some people in my team because I'm still like growing the Kickstarter team and because we're preparing for a big book launch as well. And talking to those amazing women who have stepped up to help me out in this, um, they all say that we had this conversation that was very profound when, when you see a guy riding or doing a trick it's not going to inspire you to do it yourself because it's like, sometimes it can even intimidate you because you don't want to, like you see those guys doing the thing and you're like, I'm not going to go there. And like, like it, you just feel like an outsider. But when you see a woman doing something that is inspiring, like I've seen some really badass women riders just go all out. And this is like, okay, if she can do it, I can do it. Um, and people writing to me after the show and telling me that they're in their 40s or 50s and they want to get into dirt bikes and like asking for reassurance from me it's like oh my god like we need to show that because there's not enough support
0: no Um, I think too in in that Cause I remember when I started riding when I was 21 and that was the big thing. It's like, you see these guys out there doing these hardcore maneuvers and in your head, you're kind of like, I want to do that. I'm afraid to do it. But then you're also doubting yourself because like me growing up with brothers, it's like, you know, that there is a little bit of something different in men that they, they don't have that maternal instinct that tells them, you know, you should be careful. Sometimes it's just like, they don't have that thing kind of regulating them sometimes. So when you see a woman doing it, you know she has an internal regulator because she's a woman most women just know, like we're a little more cautious. But that makes it even more special when she's out there doing the same thing that a guy can do because she's had to fight her own internal regulator, push through those boundaries and say, no, I'm I'm still gonna do it and I'm gonna do it properly and calculated because a lot of women are very calculated too. And It's, I think it's just, it's so inspiring. And that was like, when I started riding too, I I would go out with the boys and I'd get so intimidated and they just, they kind of go from zero to a hundred. They skip all the little steps between and I could never learn to ride because it was like, no, you just do this. And so I bought my first bike and I went out by myself and I'd take girls out and start learning like clutch control and how, like you start learning all the steps and Yeah, it's I think it's um, like even down here, it's funny because we come from in North America. It's funny how few women do ride bikes. Like I know there's there's a lot, but it's not as seen. And down here in um, Nicaragua, women everywhere ride bikes because it's how they were raised and it's how they get around. So here in Canada or up in Canada, I'm thinking, you know, I'm this badass chick who rides a motorcycle but down here, if you don't ride a motorcycle, you basically don't know how to get around. So it's so cool to get out. I get outside. I go outside. There's women in their their beautiful dresses, their makeup on. They're going to work. They're on a motorcycle. Their whole family's on motorcycles. motorcycle. So I think we do need to kind of bring that awareness up in North America that, you know, riding a motorcycle is actually just, it's a human sport. It's not a male sport. We just put it in such a category sometimes because... Um, maybe the fear, maybe, maybe just, I don't know, feeling like we have to be more responsible. I don't know exactly what it is, but um, I think we can still be feminine and, and women and ride a motorcycle. It, it doesn't have to be one or the other.
1: So true. So true. And yeah, I love how you said that the regulator, and that's the thing because some people may say, Oh, like you ride, but like guys always ride faster or guys always ride better. It's like, there is, theres In the Olympics, they have women's and men's classes, and that's fine. Like, men have advantages um, in front of women in some aspects and vice versa. And Mm -hmm. that is okay. And yeah, like, women's brains, I find, work differently. We need to know every little detail of how things work, plus why. (laughs) It's like, you need to do this, but no, but why? Like if we know the why, then we're like, okay, that makes sense. I can do that. But if you just like just do this, and you're like, my brain doesn't compute. It's like I don't no. understand what you're saying. Like it's not just do this as a woman because we have like this long list of things that needs to be checked off, and then you're like, okay, this why, this why, this, and it's just kind of um. It it was the same for me when i came from dirt and started riding track um in in dirt you push the bike down and you sit on top of it in the corner but on the track you hang off but guys focus so much on hanging off the bike before they even have the proper form in place so it's like it's all about getting the knee down getting the knee down it's like and I, my brain did not understand like the hanging off. It was like, just hang off. And I'm like, and I talked to one of my friends who is a motorcycle coach and like track coach. And she's like, why are people so hung up on like, ro- like hanging off the bike? It's too early. You need to like know the proper form. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, when it clicked was like, you don't hang off, you push the bike up. And I'm like, oh, uh... Uh, then then it clicked so it's like yeah like we just our brains work differently and that is totally okay Mm -hmm. and yeah oh that's funny
0: so what what about um riding and like biking do you connect with the most like what is it that uh that makes you just want to continue with bikes
1: um riding um I feel that this photo like says it all that's this was a photo that i was i was standing on top of my motorcycle and i posted it to facebook and to our motor girls of van city group and a woman who i did not know photoshopped wings on me and i did not give my like i did not edit this this photo like she did and i think this sums up writing for me Gives me the freedom. It gives me wings, and these two wheels give us wings. And yeah. that is the the pitch video will, yeah, you will see. Like the wings are a big theme. It's a big visual.
0: When? Because when is that's. The,
1: oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> when is the pitch video gonna come? Um, uh, I think it's going gonna start on International Women's Day, uh, March eight. With everything in the world, like it's, it wasn't like we had an original day, but that was earlier. But mm-hmm. it's not the right time, not yet. Um, yeah. So everything
0: you, you gotta listen to your, you gotta listen to yourself. It's yeah, no rush. And the yeah. in the book, your is the book still coming out on Monday? Which I'm hoping this podcast well, will drop on Monday. But
1: um, no the. Everything is going to come out on March 8th now, right. but um, I find uh, I'm going to do that again because, like, the I forgot to tell you, <laughs> I forgot to tell <laughs> beforehand. <laughs> um, okay, so the Kickstarter is going to come out on March 8th, which is International Women's Day, um, and The Kickstarter itself is to publish the book. So the book itself is going to be launched in November. Uh, The book launch is going to be red carpet. Uh, VIP is going to be amazing. Uh, 11-11, November 11th is when the actual book is going to come out. But in order for that event to happen, uh, we need to reach our Kickstarter goal because Kickstarter is all or nothing. So we need to reach $5,000 for the book to be able to come to life because that's going to fund the printing costs and the editing and the cover um, and the photo shoots as well. Um, That's going to happen.
0: So how do do listeners find the book or how to like the Kickstarter? Is that something you can purchase like a copy of or how does that work? funding
1: uh yes the kickstarter Kickstarter is a funding platform for creators um i don't want to i don't like to say that it's like gofundme because it's not um because you contribute and you get either an ebook or a paperback or the hardcover which is going to be the most beautiful book in the world is going to be sparkling and it's going to be so pretty and with illustrations and photos Um, and also tickets to the book launch um, and up to the point where you can have like a dedicated page in the book Um, so basically you're pre-buying the book you're gonna get the book once uh, once the kickstarter has been successful Uh, so that is that is how it works Um, I love it yeah
0: definitely gonna have a have a look at that um
1: Thank you. Uh, where can it be found? Um, on the, our Kickstarter page, I'm going to share it with you and everybody on our Instagram, Badass Chicks TV and for, from Sky to Infinity. Um, there's also a website, uh, skytoinfinity.com, uh, that will redirect to the Kickstarter page.
0: Amazing. Oh, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it so much because um, I've just been even... Listening to some of your poetry, I had a friend of mine uh, who was listening to one of your poems earlier today, actually, because I was telling him I was doing an interview with you, and he was like, oh, my mm-hmm. God. He's like, "That she's amazing. And I was like, yeah, she's good. <laughs> she's good. Thank you. So can't wait. Um, ah. Yeah. So I guess probably, uh, I guess, wrap things up here. Um, but I wanted to say, like, what is... What is your final message that you want to share to other women who are having a hard time finding their true power after a painful change in their life?
1: Find a way to get back to you. Find a way to um, get back to listening to your inner voice. And for a lot of women, it is motorcycles because when it's just you and the bike on the road, you feel invincible and you get a glimpse of what it is to actually have wings and if you can fly then the world is your oyster you can do anything yeah I agree I'm, I'm yeah I'm, I want to end it with a poem but I don't know if it wants to come from a book or something that I wrote uh oh, give yeah give
0: st- us give us a little a little teaser a little sample of what you've got I'd love to end with a nice poem from you So this is one that you haven't, you haven't posted yet?
1: No. And this is from the book, actually. A lot of it, a lot of the poems from the book have become so poignant for what's happening in today's world. And a lot of it is about Mother Earth and coming back to you and coming back to your roots. And um, yeah, okay. All right, ready. See the forests burning around you, the floods taking over, the sky falling, the souls crying, but you stand. You stand strong for them, for everybody, for the world. Because when you do, others see too. They realize it can be done. They remember that they are strong too. They remember. So keep on standing, weather the storm, keep burning to rise from the ashes. Keep opening your heart to let the love flood the world. This is what we need right now. What we need is you. Wow.
0: Wow. So deep, so deep. And you know what? That it does. It works so much for what is happening in the world. Everything that you shared today, I think um, prayers are with every person every female who's ever gone through some hard struggles and had to recalibrate and refine themselves Um, I think you just everything in your message today has just been so inspiring so wonderful so I can't wait to get this episode out and just share everything and all the love with the world and I'm so excited for you on your new venture and yeah I'm just excited for you it sounds like you've just got so much good stuff coming for you
1: thank you I am excited too I'm yeah it's like it's not about just me it's about women stepping into their power and realizing that they're not taking taking anything away from anybody when they're doing that they're actually giving they're actually enhancing absolutely it's it's in nobody's interests uh for people to hold themselves back and to compromise and keep themselves small no I, i find that if people led with heart and love and the belief that we're all one and we're all connected, then the a lot of painful stuff that's been happening wouldn't be happening right now. Absolutely.
0: Aww. Well thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything and uh, yeah, we'll uh, hopefully chat soon and thank you again. Thank you. All right, see Caroline. you too. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the Wide Open Podcast on Spotify and follow at Kayla Louise on Instagram. That's
1: at K-E-L-A Louise and look forward to more episodes.